We're about to get regular, Sarah. <laughs> All up in here. All up in All here. All up in here. This yeah, is not unleaded. This is not unleaded. <laughs> right. Have you just I, accepted that you have a bias and people know that about you and that's fine? Yes. Yes and yes. I've accepted it <laughs> and I have come out of the proverbial <laughs> conservative closet. The Mock and Daisy Common Sense Cast. Nobody has common sense anymore. Welcome, Sarah Carter, to the Chicks on the Right Mock and Daisy show. We're so happy, happy, happy to have we you here. We are delighted. We feel finally. very unworthy of your presence. No, not Seriously, at all. We totally do. We talked about you in our live, and we were like, listen, she's all accomplished and crap. Why does she want to hang out with us? Seriously. I do. I want to <laughs> hang out with you because you are awesome, and I feel like privileged to be invited into your internet kingdom. I feel like I live in this weird bubble in Swampland and I hate it and I can't, I get so excited whenever I can wear like t-shirts and just be myself and like to hang out with people like me, just regular everyday Americans with everyday stuff going on. And none well, of this yes. junk. We're about to get regular, Sarah. <laughs> All up in here. All up in All here. Up in here. This yeah, is not unleaded. This is not unleaded. <laughs> right. For those people who are listening to our podcast who may not be familiar with your incredible resume, why don't you just start by saying a little bit about yourself? I know you've got like an amazing background that just is because you're like a legit journalist, yeah. which we are not. I transformed. I morphed over the last year into uh, investigative columnist. A lot of people don't remember the writer, right? It's always like you read a story in the newspaper. You're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that happened in Afghanistan or this happened in Iraq. A lot of times people don't pay attention to the writer. And I think that's great. I think that's totally OK, because I, I really felt like there was a transformation like with journalism over the last years and even though it's fun and it's cool a lot of journalists have been more notable aka Acosta who accosts me all the time no, <laughs> his name existence it's just right <laughs> but I mean became very popular and became like these you know celebrities right instead of like reporting the news it became more about me 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 now that's me no I'm just <laughs> it's not about no I'm just teasing it's so many years of just covering journalism so when I was much younger I started working in California a young journalist uh working at a local paper the Daily Bulletin I love the Daily Bulletin I'm in Ontario California and it was exciting I was a young journalist working working Norco, the city of Norco, a little like cowboy town, right? With all kinds of interesting stories and local news and school meetings. And then eventually it became bigger stories in Norco about a factory. And from what I remember, you know, back then uh, there was a woman fighting this company who she believed chemical. I mean, it was crazy. Chemicals were leaking and people were getting sick. And so I jumped onto that story, uh, started getting a little bit more adventurous with my stories and went from that to covering what we had was the worst crime spree in California. I mean, with gangs in Pomona, California, um, a lot of Latino gangs and, and local gangs, as well as, you know, underprivileged communities, black gangs. I really wanted to cover those social issues. And we lost a police officer, an Irwindale cop was killed in front of the Pomona courthouse by a 15-year-old young man from one of our local high schools. And I decided to plunge right into that. And I befriended some of the kids. I stayed with them for more than six months, covered their story throughout. I'm still friends with actually the young girl um, in the story. Her name was Jamie Ruiz. Uh, she is now a lovely woman with three beautiful children and married, but she came from a really tough life. 
And uh, I covered those stories. Those stories eventually took me from the streets and the drugs on the streets to the border because I kept telling my editor, these kids are getting the drugs from somewhere, right? Yeah. And they keep, you know, and when you hear about it on the streets, you hear like it's coming from Mexico, it's coming across the border. There's a lot of contraband. And by the way, the children were always paying the price. They were the ones always getting arrested. They were the ones that grew up in a really disenfranchised community and a school system that really didn't pay attention to them. And a lot of times parents that were incapable of either paying attention to them or working so much that they really couldn't pay attention to them. So my editor was like a little nervous about sending me over to Mexico into the U.S.-Mexico border. And I said, look, I can do it. I can speak Spanish, right? I can say margarita. (laughs) That's all I need. Um, And it'll all be okay. So he said, okay, get out of here. You're making me nervous. Go to the border and start covering those stories, break some big stories, because we had already won a number of awards for those series of stories that we did, uh, Jamie's story. So I kind of set a little platform for me and I, I went to the border. I believed it was important. I had children. Even then, my children were young and I thought, we need to do something for our kids. We need to expose this. And as a community, we're all a part of it. You know, it's easy to put people that live in disenfranchised communities and poverty and say, well, that's not where I live. That's not my, those aren't my people. Um, That's never going to happen to me or my kids. But guess what? It is happening to us and our children. Right, right. Addiction rates are soaring. Kids are dying. And what happens when a kid kills a police officer, right? What happens when a kid in a disenfranchised community ends up, you know, in a situation where they cross your children, you know, or something goes wrong. So I went to the border. I started breaking really big stories on, a bo- on the border to make a long story short because I felt like nobody was there. I was like, what's going on here? I'm at the U.S.-Mexico border. It's like wide open. I even found a tunnel in San Diego. I was there. Oh my God. I, yeah, I, I went across the border, not illegally, but I tried one time, <laughs> but they stopped me. So I had to go through, you know, Tijuana Pass and went in there, found a group of men that were planning on running across the border. Some of them were criminals. I interviewed them. It's actually still online somewhere. Like I found it. This was 2005 or six. So when I covered those stories, you know, along the U.S.-Mexico border, started breaking that, interviewed guys that were there, talked about, I actually broke one of the biggest stories in L.A. at the time, which was how many times the Mexican military had incurred on the U.S. border. And I stumbled across that, interviewed DEA. So that eventually led me to the cartels and this idea of this nexus of terrorism in South America and Mexico. Like, because I thought, well, if the drugs are coming through, what else can come through? Right. You know, we're not paying attention to that. Human trafficking, abuse of children. Because for me, this isn't, I'm not an anti-immigrant person. My mother was an immigrant. She came from Cuba. She came here legally in the 1960s. And it's tough. And I get it. I get how hard it is for so many families, right? I understand that. But we also can't perpetuate the behavior of the drug cartels and corruption and allow children to be abused and just use them because the people are being used. And that's what I wanted to get across. So After that, I started covering the whole U.S.-Mexico border. I did a trip across the whole thing, going in and out of Mexico, covering the drug cartels, covering Sinaloa, going into Nuevo Laredo, covering the Juarez cartel, and started to expose all of that. And finally, Jerry Sieper, this is an inside fun story from the Washington Times, is a great older reporter working at the Washington Times on immigration, started contacting me. And he would just call me up. It was so bizarre. He'd call me up and say, this is Jerry Sieper from the Washington Times. And he'd do it like really mad and I was a young reporter I'm like whoa what did I do and he's like just slow down and give an old guy a break and I was like no 
Oh my gosh. He eventually hired me. He begged them to hire me at the Washington Times. And that's how I came to Washington, D.C. But my decision was, yeah, my decision to come here, though, was based on one factor, because I am a pain in the butt. And uh, I said, I would love to come only if you hire me to be a war correspondent for the Pentagon. So if I can cover the war, I will come to Washington, D.C. Oh, my gosh, Sarah. And then you embedded with the military, right? Yeah. And then from then on, I had been covering the war from like 2007, end of 2007, all the way up, even after my husband was wounded. Um, The last time I've been in the war zone was 2015 in Iraq covering ISIS. So, um, so, President, so President Trump was like, holy cow, because I never thought, you know, after covering all of these stories that I would stumble on the whole Russia hoax thing. You know, I mean, I was covering the election because I was working at Sinclair and it was actually because they needed me to cover it. Like, you know, they were like, hey, Sarah, why don't you come cover this a couple of days? Because we don't have someone there. And I started covering it. And then, of course, you know, Michael Flynn. I knew him when I covered the war. Uh, Mike Flynn was the head of intelligence in Afghanistan. I started seeing what was going on with the FBI, and I stumbled on all of that during my coverage, early coverage of the Trump presidency. And that's how everything kind of unfolded. So how did you make the leap from that into what you call yourself now, which is more of a, what did you say, an investigative columnist? Yes, because, because you clearly I mean, you clearly have a bias as we do. Mm-hmm. But for us, it's baked right into our name. <laughs> right. It's like right. In the it's on the right. I mean, there's it's no... like a cobbler. It's like a cobbler. Right. <laughs> right there. Right there. Yeah. So do, do you get flack for that or do you just have you just I... accepted that you have a bias and people know that about you and that's fine? Yes. Yes. And yes, I've accepted it. <laughs> And I have come out of the proverbial (laughs) conservative closet. Yeah. I'm going to tell you why. I I, I do have social issues that people would say, oh, she seems like more liberal on on those issues. You know, I I was a big advocate. I still am. You know, gay rights, especially with AIDS and everything that uh, I had an uncle who practically raised me after my father died and he died of AIDS and I took care of him until the very end. Uh, So I saw what it did to our community. I saw what it did to our life. I have a deep faith in God. And I believe that because of my deep faith, that's why I spent so much time overseas. People would say, you know, it was so dangerous. Why did you do it? Why did you cover these stories? And I would say, you know, I would always ask myself, is it worth the risk? Is it worth the risk bringing this home? Like, is it going to make somebody's life better? Are they going to be more informed? I wouldn't do it just to do it. Don't get me wrong. I love the excitement, right, of covering those stories. And it's a bit of an addiction, but I would never take those risks with my family. We would talk about it. I would say, this is what I'm doing. These are the precautions I'm taking. And I believe this is worth it. And I would do that. So for me, that's important. But when I saw what was happening in our country over the last four years, you know, my husband fought overseas. I covered the war overseas. And, you know, we risk our lives when we do that. My husband lost his eyesight in Afghanistan, you know, fighting terrorism and fighting mostly for our nation and for our constitution. And when I saw, you know, what was happening here and that people within our own government, people that I used to respect, that I thought I respected, were just trampling all over it because they believed and they hated this man, President right. Donald Trump, or oh this God. citizen Donald Trump, I didn't understand it. Because I'm like, I didn't hang out with the Trumps. I'm not like a Trump person. Like, I don't know if somebody thinks that out there, but I'm not. I mean, I wasn't like a New York party with the Trumps. I mean, <laughs> right. that would have been fun. I was like, just 
lucky to get back from Afghanistan and then have to deal with children and laundry and a house and crazy dogs. And, you know, my whole life is just different. But then I thought to myself, I can't keep that in any longer. It just came out. And it slowly started coming out of me because I couldn't tell the whole story without telling the whole story. Right. Yeah. Right. So do you worry about censorship now? Because we're seeing it. It's so rampant. Yeah. Like, it's, it's all over the place. Yeah. Because I was going to ask if you were worried about it, but I don't even know if I was going to use the word worry as much as like just uh, like disgust by it. Right. Right, Daisy. And and I agree with you too, Mark, on that because like I feel like I'm not only disgusted and worried. I'm actually very frightened in a weird way. I have yeah. faith that we're going to get out of this, right? That's why I wear my short faith without fear. But there is fear. I mean, I can't mm-hmm. say I'm not. What I'm afraid of is losing our Constitution. I'm not afraid for me. I'm also afraid, or let's say I'm also concerned that the FBI and our intelligence community and in lieu with big tech have the capabilities to just spy on whoever they want, right. whenever they want. And right. they can look up any excuses to do that. And we saw that. We saw that. I'm not making that up. That's not a joke. No, uh, yeah, it's yeah. very serious because Carter Page is an example of somebody who was spied on mm-hmm. and whose FISA warrant was falsified. There was a Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act warrant, which you have to have to spy on an American. You cannot just pick up, I'm going to listen to what Mock and Daisy are saying. Oh, shit. <laughs> look what Sarah Carter's saying. Right, oh, right. She's mad at us because we're whatever. And on top of that, I think there's a lot and and not Listen, we are not journalists. You are a, a, a journalist. That's your trade. But I, I have seen such a pivot just over the past four to six years by journalists. And I feel like they're in bed with all those people that you just described. And there's, there is such, to me, such culpability on the part of our media. I'm not talking about just social media. I'm talking about our media. Because it's almost as if they get like a script, like every six weeks. Yeah. The words change. Like, because we notice it because we have to notice it. You know, right. like we become so much more aware of it. And so we pay a lot of attention because you know we were on the radio together we do the podcast together we're, we're in this business right and you start picking up on the cues you start watching the, the talking heads on tv and in radio and stuff like that and the liberals right the liberals who they start using but all of them start using the same buzzwords mm-hmm. at the same time like it's like they almost get handed like a script and you're like who's handing him the script like for the next six weeks for this eight weeks and it's almost as if they're all in bed together and they have this giant script where they're like okay everybody ready go and they all it's just it's so weird we gotta talk about AMEC for a second because if you are like the millions of frustrated Americans looking for an alternative to the other senior benefits group and you want to support an organization that takes responsible action then now is the time to join our friends at AMAC. AMAC or the Association of Mature American Citizens Citizens, is the fastest growing conservative senior organization in America. They believe in the values that have made America great, faith, family, and freedom. AMAC offers an alternative to just about every benefit that AARP offers, but without the liberal agenda. AMAC stands up for the Constitution, and they fight with a full-time presence in Washington, D.C., calling on members of Congress and the administration to discuss issues and support or oppose legislative actions on behalf of the membership. Issues like health care reform, social security, reducing prescription drug costs, and more. We stand with AMAC, and we hope you will, too. Stand with us today and join at amac.us slash chicks. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S slash chicks. The benefits of a membership are great, but the cause is even greater. Join today at amac.us slash chicks. 
And it's crazy because it's like they're all working together. And that also frightens me because I have friends who, you know, even four years ago were somewhat, they're pretty conservative. And they've started to lean liberal because they've been taken in. They've been transformed by the messaging, by the narrative that's been pushed to them. And it, that it comes at all. It comes from all angles. It's everywhere. It comes from education. It comes from the media. It comes from that's Hollywood. It. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Got and yet it. we're the ones that are brainwashed. Yeah. What? <laughs> right. No, we're ostracized. What's right. happened is, and you're right, that's what's been happening. It's been the school systems and then the media. And, you know, because people leave the universities and everybody's kind of like a clique, right? Over decades, people have hired their friends and the people with the same mindset and the right. same. And you see that in New York. You see that at the New York Times. You see that at, you know, the Washington Post now and all of these major media outlets that we actually, as a society, put a lot of faith in, right? Because they're supposed to be the balance. They're supposed mm-hmm. to be the check. And even our local papers, the check on our government. They're supposed to yeah. be the watchdog. They're yeah. supposed to be the voice of the voiceless. And they're not anymore. They're now not. they're the voice for the government. This is what really made me actually come out and become more of a columnist than a journalist. Right. Was when I would hear John Brennan and James Comey talk about the president, like especially Brennan, who's a you know, had, former head of the CIA, who I've interviewed, who I know, would call President Trump, you know, a clear and present danger. And then Comey and others would come out and say, well, anybody, any American, and we've heard this over and over again, yeah. who supported Trump or who's a conservative, the way that they play it and push it is like some kind of anti-American, weird magite that we have to out, we have to deprogram, yeah. we have to, what kind of talk is this? It's yeah. like the craziest fascist talk But I could see that happening years ago. And I would say to people, you know, this is just the beginning because this is how it starts, right? And we ignore it. Dennis Prager wrote this column that I put on my website. I republished with his permission. It was called The Good German. Now I know The Good German. It's like being quiet in a time when the government, you know, is doing these things and not speaking out you know why are people so quiet and we can't be and it's scary for us i'm sure for you too Mm -hmm. you know you're every time you're like probably worried about what you're saying on you don't want to lose your show you don't want it you know to be but you want to state your opinion right we're like living under a totally different set of rules this is not america and i get so i get scared for young people because we get we get messages all the time from college students there are lots of college students who especially the ones who just go to college right. who you know newly fresh <laughs> young college students will write us and be like I'm a conservative on a college campus and I will never say that I'm conservative because I'm scared to do that we God, used to get messages that. all the time and that would break our hearts because we would be like they are silenced on on college campuses because they can't say that they're conservative what is that I mean it's like those universities are supposed to be where you're supposed to have open free thought right it used to be that that was the case when I was in college when when you were in college when we all were in right. college right? It used to be that that was where it was like, woo, open free thought. Everybody. Yeah, I, yeah. Right. And now you can't, you cannot go against the group think. If you go against the group think, you are ostracized. You are, and it starts there. And so then it's almost as if they're pushed into submission and then they get out and then they learn all this garbage from their university professors who are all liberal. And then they get out and then they come home and parents a lot of times don't even recognize these kids because they turn right. into these liberal group thinkers. And they're like, who is this kid? I don't like, recognize this kid no but you're right about it and it's ostr it's ostracizing but it's like public bullying right right public bullying so 
we've all made a choice to come forward and to say how we feel about our lives. Right. But if you come forward and you're talking about your faith in God or your love for family, or you say, you know what? I don't agree with this group because this is what they stand for. All of a sudden you're, I call it liberal bullying, right? Yeah. The liberals always try to say like, Oh, we don't like bullies. We don't do No, they do it all the time. Yeah. And what's worse now is they're actually dehumanizing people. Yeah. And that is very dangerous. Look, I never, would tell someone to stop talking. I'm not afraid of their thought process. Right. If somebody's a liberal, if somebody's um, somebody who I disagree with, even if I absolutely oppose it, I believe that people have a right to speak up, right? As yeah. long as it doesn't incite, right? right? We always know about harmful words, right? We're not gonna just go out and you know, commit defamation to people. We can talk about our ideas and thoughts. I have never once said, that group should just be, I, I don't ever want to hear from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Okay, I can't, what she says, I'm like, wow, I totally disagree with you on almost everything in your life. But you have a right to talk about it. Right. And you I'd rather right. know. I would rather know what these other people are thinking and feeling and saying. What is President Trump's reaction to big tech censorship and what can he do about it? This is Sarah Carter. Rudy Giuliani joins me to explain why taking away free speech in America is really taking away America. Find the Sarah Carter Show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, and I think it, it sets such a bad precedent, all of the censorship and all the takedowns from social media. It ends up that people feel more rage and more of a need to hide and go underground where things get really wild and yeah. really bad. They start and nobody bubbling. wants that. They start and yet bubbling. that's where we're going. Yeah. I will say, though, you said something that struck a chord with me, Sarah, and that is because, you know, you it's a strength thing. I think that there are a lot of people who are strong enough to be able to. There are people who are strong enough who can you can say I have. It's kind of like having faith because I have faith, too. And I have no problem saying to somebody, I believe in Jesus Christ. Right. Like mm -hmm. I have faith. Right. And so I have no problem saying that out loud. And if somebody has a problem with it, well, they can go bugger off, you know. And so that's just how I feel about that. Some people have that strength and they have no problem saying that. And there are other people who are weak and there are a lot of weak people. <laughs> there, are just right. a lot of weak, there are a lot of weak people. And, and that's OK. It's just that when you're in the situation that we're in right now, the, the problem is, is that and I, and I think historically, especially with the Republican Party, we've been very polite. There are a lot of very polite people on our side of the aisle. And so you combine weakness with politeness. But and also it's fear, though, too. And fear. Because people now legitimately have a reason to be afraid to because share their they're gonna, views. Right, because they're going to lose their jobs. They're going to lose their livelihoods. They're going to lose money. They're going to be able to lose the ability to pay f to put food on the table. I mean, those people are legitimately afraid, and I get that. But you combine all those things, and people are less apt mm -hmm. to say, you know, I'm a conservative, or I believe this, or they're just going to stay quiet. And so they have been bullied into submission, which sucks. I mean, it totally sucks. And it, it sucks does. because it's a terrible example for our children, too, because our children, a lot of these young people are seeing, oh, my gosh, so you know, I guess I guess I have to be a liberal because you know what? It's the easier way to right. live. It's it's the easiest way out. It's like that is I'm just going to be a liberal because it's cool. The celebrities are liberals. You know, that's the cool people are liberals. Why would I? Did you see those conservative girls? They're right. So 
They're like at the end of the lunchroom. We're like sitting at the end of the lunchroom eating our Nutella. Exactly. I don't know why I thought Nutella. I don't know why. (laughs) Nutella just seems like something that like an unpopular girl would be eating at the end. Oh my God. I was so, that would be me. I told you I love it. Me too. Me too. I put that crap on everything, Sarah. Me too. It's like, it's crazy. I would like just automatically swipe it on my hips if I could. (laughs) So that's where it's going. That's where it absolutely goes. Cut out the middleman. Yeah. Cut out the middleman right there. Where it goes. Totally. We're like the counterculture now. We're kind of uncool. Yeah. We're like the girls with the armpit hair in the 70s, right? Try explaining that to your teenage daughter that like conservatism is totally cool (laughs) we're like the 70s with the armpit hair we're like people are behind us right Right. we're not catching up yet to our coolness right we need to somehow make it cool again we need like the remember when counterculture like alternative like punk rock was kind of cool like right somehow make like doc martens like we gotta start like Doc Martens and like doing some crazy stuff with our hair. I don't know. <laughs> we need to all get mohawks, Sarah. <laughs> We're like a think tank. <laughs> and then we could be like, you guys can totally sit with us. You can totally yeah. sit with us. And, and we'll open up our lunch counter and be like one of those ABC after school specials. You can come sit with us. <laughs> totally. Well, Sarah, we could I mean, we could talk to you obviously for like five straight hours. Totally. Yeah, me um, too. I can hang out with you guys. We've got to do this. We've got to do this. <laughs> In case this is the first time they're hearing you, you have a website, you have a podcast. Tell all the places that people can find you. <laughs> well, you can listen to my, co- my podcast. It's the Sarah Carter Show. I love it. Always have great guests on there. Some really fun uh, guests like UFOologists. No. <laughs> I got to listen to that. Then, I got to yeah, listen. Well, you've got to listen to Lou Elizondo because he's actually from the Pentagon. So it's very, it's very straight and it's awesome. He gets like a lot of hits every time I have him on. You guys got to get my, him on your show. And my husband would love that too. Yeah, yes. you guys got to get him on. And I have congressional members and of course newsmakers and I try to talk about you know our daily lives and where we're going similar to you just news of the day but you can go to sarahcarter.com too which is my website we have all the latest stories and follow me gosh I wish I could say follow me on parlor I know <laughs> listen I have every faith that parlor will be back soon and full force yes I do too I do too I love my friend Dan Bongino you know he's been through so much and uh, I just have so much faith in him and praying for him every day he's going through a lot uh, but yeah we'll all be back up on parlor I'm not even worried totally (laughs) thank you so much for spending your time with us we really appreciate it you've been a delight thank you Sarah thank you guys it's great being with you thank you bye 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 was she not the greatest guest ever I feel like we could talk to her for like 12 straight hours I love her we're BFFs now <laughs> like seriously we don't have a lot question. of other BFFs so we need to like get one into that we need to get another BFF so we can yeah. have just like a third BFF every so often just in case you're sick <laughs> I need about. a stand-in BFF just in case you get COVID again so Sarah's a good stand-in all right Sarah is a great stand-in Sarah smile <laughs> We got so many nice reviews this week. Did we? Yes. I so love nice reviews. Oh, my Read God. One. Go. It's the greatest. Okay, so okay. Aaliyah Renee said, love these ladies. In the midst of so much insanity, Mock and Daisy have helped me stay sane. I adore them and appreciate all their hard work to bring us the common sense and truth. Thank you. Keep up the awesome work. See you in the reprogramming camps. Woohoo! <laughs> oh, my God. I hope 
that they have chocolate and beer in the reprogramming For real. Camps. Listen, if they have if they have beer and chocolate, I think we're going to be fine. So we're going to have all the cool people that are there. And Nutella. Oh, that's right. They Nutella, have the too. Nutella. And Sarah, <laughs> smile. We'll have her, too. Okay, what else? Freethinker Stuck in Cali says, you chicks rock. I'm going to be real honest. I haven't been able to jump on the podcast bandwagon until now. You ladies keep it real. Oh, and can you please make shirts that say hashtag unwoke? I love it. Oh, I love that, too. That's actually That's a really... Yeah. Robin Larsheed, I think is how you say it, says, love your show. <laughs> you two are awesome. So many good ones. Oh, my so God. So many good ones. All right. So here are all the places that you guys can find us. Our website is the first and foremost place that you should go every day. You should bookmark it and have it as, like, the background on your computer. It's www.chicksonright.com. You should go and you should subscribe. So you can go to the top of that website. It's on the right-hand corner. There are happy little cartoon faces. You can click on that and subscribe to this podcast and then tell all your friends about it and they should subscribe to it too because that's and leave reviews and then yeah leave leave a review for us and then we're on um all the places like twitter at chicks on right until we get shut down um (laughs) instagram at chicks on right we are on parlor we are on all until the the, like when they decide to bring that up again we're on all those places like all the mewies and all those places we're at chicks on right you can find us at chicks on right in all those places and rumble too we're on rumble wow we're on rumble you guys we're on rumble yeah, I, I post our video Mock- there every single day. We're on YouTube. The Mock and Daisy the Show. The Mock and Daisy Show is on YouTube. And so, actually, if you go to Facebook, we're at Chicks on the Right on Facebook. We do a morning show every single day, usually around 7 a.m. Eastern. We're there Monday through Friday. And then that gets pushed out to YouTube, and it gets pushed out to Radio America, and they podcast that every day. If you miss it, you can catch us on Radio America. We're all fine podcasts are, are played. Are there. So, yeah. <laughs> and the say. most exciting new place that we are is that we have a special private Facebook group just for our most dearest and faithful following. Right. It's called the Chicks on the Right Insiders Group. Right. And you can join it. It has a very small subscription fee of $4.99 per month. Mm-hmm. And in that, you'll get exclusive videos that nobody else will see unless they are in that group. And we're building a nice little community there. That's right. Of just the best people ever. I love mm-hmm. everybody in there. It's amazing. And when we, when we say exclusive video, it's not mock taking your top off. <laughs> I know. Rob was asking me that earlier. I he was like, he I'll was. sign up if it's going to, if there are nudes. I know. That's, there's no nudes. <laughs> of course. It's, it's like the first thing I figured that he would ask. <laughs> and other people will too. And we're not going to take our tops off. No, no, no tops are off. No tops are be but off. there is some other exclusive stuff that's just for that group. Really And lots stuff. of great discussion amongst the people that are in that group who right. are just the salt and of the earth. you know earth. what? No trolls. And, and you can get to it by going to our main Facebook page, right. Chicks on the Right. And right. then if you're on a desktop, it's a lot easier than if you're on a phone. But like right under our cover photo, it says become a supporter or visit the supporter hub or something like that. It's very cool. So you guys check that out. And we will be back here same chick time, same chick channel. Have a great week. Bye, everybody. Democrats win the Senate, violence on Capitol Hill, Trump impeached again, and it's only January. This is Greg Corumbus. Join Jim Garrity and me for the Three Martini Lunch podcast each weekday, and we'll try to make sense of the political insanity and get in some laughs. Get the Three Martini Lunch at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.